Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we are going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads, to Sense by Meg Fora. I am your host, Meg Fora, and I'm super delighted to have you join us here today. As we do every week, we're joined by a guest who comes alongside me to share some of the wins and the joys of parenting, but also very often some of the challenges. And as a seasoned mom, I know exactly what it's like to be at the rock face and that there are daily challenges that change along the trajectory of your baby's life from the time of conception, actually all the way through. I don't know. My eldest is nearly 25 years old and I still still feel the pain at times. So it's a changing journey. And today I'm really, really excited to be looking at a very topical subject. Um, in fact, it's just around about now that there's been a um, legal ruling on a mum who um, um, really was pushed beyond the limit and took her own life and the life of her children and must have been going through the most incredible amount of trauma. And this level of trauma and grief and and distress, really, that she was going through at this time um, has become known as postnatal depression in the press, but it's actually a much, much broader subject. And so today we are joined by somebody who's a real expert, a micro-specialist really in this specific field, and that is Linda Lewis. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. So Linda is a psychologist. She specializes in what is called perinatal distress. And we're going to unpack what the difference between perinatal distress and postnatal depression is. But she looks quite broadly at women who experience any form of distress in pregnancy. So that can be around loss of pregnancy, around infertility, and then, of course, around feeling anxious as they approach birth and obviously what's classically known as postnatal depression or perinatal distress. Linda sees individual clients in her clinical practice, but she also runs support groups. And we were just chatting about how incredibly powerful support groups are for postnatal depression or perinatal distress. She is a member of the Center for Group Analytic Studies, and she is furthering her own studies, studying through the University of California, Berkeley, and studying a degree in mindful meditation. So she has got an enormous amount to share with us today. Linda, thank you for joining us. So I think as we get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and why it is that you've ended up in this very specific field of perinatal distress? Thank you, Meg. So lovely to be here. And it is always my passion to, to be able to share with women so that they can get what I actually didn't get. So after I had my first son, actually on that very night, I was riddled with anxiety. And I never knew what anxiety was, actually. What real anxiety was, it was a physiological experience. And I, from that moment on, I was completely consumed by devastating distress. Mm. And, and what happened was that nobody actually understood or knew what I was going through. And so I was sent from pillar to post. 
and did not receive the help I needed. And I felt incredibly alone and abandoned by the medical profession and misunderstood by people, family, friends. Well, who knew about it? Who talks about it? You know, there's a controversy of silence around unhappiness after having a child. And he have to hold it all, the joy and the happiness. Not, I love my child, but I'm not in, I love my child and I'm feeling terribly unhappy or somewhat unhappy. So Meg, I found that after nine months, eventually I recovered. And at that point, I thought to myself, I have to help women mm. help them. I, I then had a second child and the same thing happened despite all my operations. And then I went back and did my master's and focused entirely on perinatal stress. Amazing. And such a personal story, Linda. And you mentioned something very interesting there that, you know, people say everything's supposed to be wonderful. I love my child, but X, Y, Z, you know, I'm not feeling great. And when you and I first met, you had taken that concept of I love my child, but... And you had written a book, which the title completely for me encapsulated what this is about. And the book title is When Your Blessings Don't Count. And that is very much what happens to many moms at around about this time, isn't it? That is their experience, that they don't feel like their blessings count. And when people are saying to them, you know, count your blessings, it doesn't feel like they've got any to count. Yeah. And you know, when people say count your blessings, be positive, oh, well, Worse than that, thinking that you're a drama queen, it is really associated with such shame for the mother, mm-hmm. such tremendous shame, which stops them from reaching out mm-hmm. and misunderstood and alienation. And, you know, I so strongly believe that we cannot gratitude ourselves out of pain. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, I love it's, that. Yeah, yeah. And I find it's asked of us so often. Mm. Gratitude has its role profoundly, but it's not a solution to pay. So just be grateful for what you got is the most useless piece of advice anybody could give a mum in this situation. It's not only useless, it's harmful. It's harmful. Yeah. 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 So let's just look a little bit, you know, this work, I mean, most people are going to call this postnatal depression just because that's the buzzword. You very specifically, when we were chatting in the lead up to this interview, wanted me to stress that it is perinatal distress. Can you please unpack that for me? Why distress rather than depression? Well, depression, first of all, pathologizes the condition in a way that is associated with mental illness. So it holds that kind of the stigma around mental illness. And actually, very often it's not depression. It is a sense of anxiety. So every mother goes through some distress after having a baby. It's the biggest life-changing experience. Even if it's your third child, it's an adjustment. So there's adjustment on the one side, which does involve distress. And then on the other end of the spectrum is extreme distress. And that can be associated with the tearfulness, the dread, the sense of losing your mind sometimes. And in between that is a whole spectrum of distress. Yeah. And so we can't just call it depression. Really limiting that experience that is so nuanced for some women. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. 
You know, I also had certainly not debilitating anxiety, but definitely anxiety and some distress, you know, especially after the birth of James, because it, it was such a shock, my firstborn. But I did have very severe baby blues for a couple of days, just a few weeks after he was born. I think it was probably in my second week. And it was really severe. It wasn't just, you know, kind of, oh, I'm not feeling comfortable and happy. It was about three or four nights where at about 6 p.m. it would come over me and it was the most incredible visceral sensation of like a fog that came over and then I couldn't see tomorrow. I, I really couldn't see it. I couldn't work out how I would get up for the next feed. I couldn't work out how I could take care of him the next day. It was so, so deep and so overwhelming. And it's the only time in my life when I have experienced that. And I only experienced it with my firstborn. And luckily, my mum was there at the time and I could articulate. I would say to her, it's happening. I can feel it. It's coming. And I could, I, it, was a, it was a real sensation of dread. And, and she would say to me, look, you know, it's, it's the end of the day. Get into bed. I'm going to bring you tea and sleep. Just start your sleep and let's just see how far we can get you. And, and that was at about six o'clock in the evening. And that's what I did for those few days. And luckily on the fourth or fifth day of, of it happening, it, it lifted. And I never had it again, not with the other um, two little ones. But it was very severe. Now that I'm presuming would fall into the camp of baby blues rather than um, postnatal depression or perinatal distress. Uh, can, can you just unpack that a little bit? How common are baby blues? Does every mother experience it? And is it a warning sign that worse is to come? Or is it something that a lot of people move through quite painlessly? We, well, you said um, something quite critical. And that is that it was in about the two-week or up to two-week period. Yeah. And that is what really identifies snapple blues with postnatal distress. Okay. So... It happens to 90% of women. Oh, wow. Okay. For my word, 90% of women experience baby blues, and yet it's not the topic of conversation. How is that? It's not the topic of conversation because of this conspiracy of silence. That's the side. I actually think it's an evolutionary mechanism. So the woman will have children. So they don't talk about the bad news. But it's completely hormonal. It is associated with lactation, with the milk coming in. And if, if you don't experience it, well, you were quite lucky with the second two. Mm. Um, and it is, as you said, just a few days. Mm. Yeah. If it goes on longer, say to three weeks, mm. then you need to start addressing it. It's not a sign of what's to come. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah, just hang in there. Just know that that dread, that fear, that overwhelming responsibility, that indecisiveness, insecurity, I can't do this. How am I ever going to do this? Says, and know that it passes. And if it doesn't, yeah, speak help as soon as possible. As soon as possible. So we're definitely going to talk a little bit about when you should be seeking help. But you mentioned something there that I found very interesting. You said that baby blues are strongly associated with the hormonal shifts. Yeah. Perinatal distress or postnatal depression is more than just associated with hormonal shifts. So what are the precursing factors that we see that uh, many women have that lead to the, the development of postnatal depression or perinatal distress? Are there factors in their lives? Yes, there are factors in their lives. And look, when you have distress, depression, anxiety during 
your pregnancy, that is one of the highest risk factors for postnatal distress. And so very important to receive help during the pregnancy. And of course, if there is a pregnancy loss previously, then there may be tremendous anxiety around that pregnancy. And the other, other risk factor, which is seldom looked at, is fertility treatment. And call it is when, when you're going to this sometimes devastating trial of fertility treatment, there is so much hope attached to having the baby. There is the dream is held over there of when this baby comes, when this baby comes, if, and then the baby arrives and it's been overdreamed of. And so the expectations of how it's going to be sometimes really are dashed in the reality of the experience. So apart from those which are pregnancy-related, there's the history of having had a loss in your family, especially your mother, especially when you've lost your mother and here comes your own baby and you're just needing that nurturing yourself. Needing the mothering that your babe is needed. Mm, mm. So, first, rule out biological factors. Go and have your thyroid checked immediately because the thyroid can mimic symptoms of anxiety and depression. And if your thyroid is okay, then you've got a quick fix to this experience. And mm-hmm. that's what happened to me actually at the very end of my postnatal distress with this. I had thyroid, an overactive thyroid. I took the wow. cheapest, easiest pull of the 14 medications and it cured me. I'm not saying that that was the problem from the beginning at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that happened in the end, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the problem from the beginning. I'm not sure, but I'm really convinced it's not. I had a thyroid test after the birth. Anyway, check your thyroid. And just holding on again, to the ambivalence of motherhood because in every experience in our lives there is a shadow side even if it's the most beautiful thing that's happening if you're walking down the aisle into this long life commitment if you're not having a few doubts then i'm wondering why it's not just joyful it's a massive life change and holding them both hold as i said earlier I'm delighted to have this bed and mm. feeling like I'm out of my depths. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So there are the physiological factors that come through in pregnancy. There are your life experiences before you even fall pregnant. And there's personality factors. And this is the hard one, is that people who are quite perfectionistic or, and needing control and predictability you know, Susan Marshall, who was, a, who was an author of The Mask of Motherhood, she said having a baby is like having a hand grenade thrown into your life because there's no control and there's strength of flying everywhere. So if you're needing predictability, consistency, control, perfection. And that was me. Was that you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, and that was where, you know, James just threw me a complete curveball because up until that point, my life had been planned and ordered and organized and I liked control. Um, and you're right, you have to suspend control because babies don't read the book. 
They well, you don't want as much as anyone. <laughs> well, I wrote the book that they don't read, so. <laughs> yes. Well, there's no goal. Yeah, exactly. No goal. Exactly. And let's not forget that fathers can also get postnatal distress. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I think that would be a very important topic, probably for a deep dive conversation with you at another point. Now, for me, I have always been about maternal and infant mental health. So, you know, it's kind of looking at that unit together and specifically how the mother's interactions with her baby affect her baby's long-term emotional life. And so there would be concerns. And of course, there have been experiments done like Edtronic still face experiments and, and other experiments that we know of that have looked at the impact of moms who are not emotionally available to their infants. And of course, when you're feeling low and you've got perinatal distress, potentially that could impact how available you are emotionally to your little one. What is your position and what advice can you give to moms around specifically their relationship with their little ones? And how do they foster a positive bond in the context of these really, really trying circumstances? Oh, you know, my heart gets sore as you're talking about that. Because I know what it was like to be completely disconnected. And I felt the, I still feel the tremendous loss of me not having enjoyed my children in the beginning. And then not having had me with all my love and all my absolute loving of motherhood, which emerged afterwards. So it really pains me to think of how mothers can really harsh on themselves mm. and they offer themselves some forgiveness, a lot of forgiveness for something that wasn't their fault. Mm. You can't mm. force the ending. You can't. Yeah. yeah. So what is very helpful is to hold your baby. Interesting. Hold your baby when they are resting. Let them sleep on you because that oxytocin against your body allows you to connect. And it's very soothing and there's no expectation of you having to soothe the baby. The baby's sleeping. I love that. Yeah, yeah. When you are feeling completely disconnected, you can just sit next to somebody. It's touch. Sit next to whoever's taking care of them and just rub your baby's back. Or have yourself be soothed so that suit your baby so when when you have those moments of relief and you know we could so often say i have been anxious the entire day well actually in the space of the day there have been pockets mm. of relief perhaps when you feel those pockets of relief both straight to your baby and internet mm. looking in their eyes holding them here they need that eye contact with you so slowly, slowly, without any huge expectations of yourself to be 100% present, actually 100% present is the wrong way to go for any healthy development in any child. Yeah. A good enough mother is the opposite. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's so important. important. It absolutely is. And moms, if you haven't heard my interview with Nadine Kaper, another psychologist on maternal guilt. We go very deeply into that. And so th that is definitely an episode of the, one of the podcasts that you will want to go and have a look at is, is you know, how, how do we remove ourselves from those ex expectations from within ourselves and from society as well and, and remove ourselves from that pressure and just be good enough mums. You know, that's what's important. 
This episode is brought to us by ParentSense, the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helps you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. So Linda, obviously there are varying degrees of perinatal distress all the way through from the baby blues, which you said occur in about 90% of mums, through into perinatal distress and then of course into um, postnatal psychosis, which is a lot more of a dangerous situation, which was the one that unfolded with Dickinson, I think her name was in New Zealand, where the ruling just happened today. What are the treatment options that mums should be looking for? If they're in any of these levels, you know, kind of baby blues, I know we're going to move through it. Is there any treatment that's needed? And then what about postnatal distress, or perinatal distress and, and postnatal psychosis? Yeah, well, postnatal psychosis is a medical emergency. It's not a psychological emergency. Okay. So that is straight into the medical field. Psychologists can't stop a, a postnatal psychosis. It is abrupt, it's rapid, it's critical. When it comes to postnatal distress, I just really, really encourage women to seek help as soon as possible. The longer you hold on, try to march on, on your own, especially those ones who always march on their own, lest anyone see their vulnerability. The longer you hold on to it and don't receive help, the more, the more loss there is, the longer it may take to get better. So, in the blues, what you're needing is just to be contained. Everybody to say, you're doing a great job, you're going to be an amazing mum, and yeah, here's your tea. Your mum was fantastic. Your mum was lovely. Just like that. And it's going to pass. And just giving that message. So, with posts with PND, what's really important is to go and have an assessment. Now, let me tell you, there are six questions that you need to be, that's the Shovel Beck assessment for PNT. And they are so critical. If you can just ask yourself, am I having trouble sleeping even when my baby's sleeping? Now, what does it that measures it on a scale of completely disagree on one and on five, completely agree? Mm -hmm. The next question is, am I getting anxious over the smallest of things? The next question is, are my emotions on a roller coaster? The one, am I losing my mind? Do I feel like I'm losing my mind? Another one is, I'm scared I'm not going to be my normal self again. And how we all experience that. And then a very critical one is I'm not feeling like the mother I want to. Most critical of all is I feel like I've made a big mistake. And I'm feeling like I want a way out of this. Mm. Very interesting. So 
Yeah, so it's just really important to go through those. And if you're on the higher end of the scale, you need to take it serious. And seriously means either going into therapy, individual sessions. But group therapy is the most helpful way of managing PND. And I, I, I told Meg that I'm going to read something from the New York Times that came out in the last month. And it said that group therapy is often recommended for new moms who are struggling. It can be one of the most powerful interventions. It's the support that women provide to one another that helps them to feel so much less alone in this really, really challenging journey. And sadly, there aren't many support groups available. I run support groups online and in person, and there isn't, they, I, I can't them when I'm out of space, I don't know who to refer to. And so the other thing is, at some stage, because it's persisting and actually it's getting in the way of your relationship with your child and the family, then medication may be indicated. So go and get an assessment again. Meg, I want to mention one last thing in terms of the, before we go on to the next question, is that what impacts on PND is also the first three things that happen in the first small period of your life at your bed. And that is, how is the birth experience? Oh, yes. How is the breastfeeding? Yes. And the expectation that you should feel an immediate surge of maternal love, which is a myth. Yeah. Breastfeeding is a huge factor that contributes to PND, as if it's meant to happen. It's so interesting, you know, all three of those things. And I mean, this is just such critical information, Linda, because all three of those things are also very socially, there's a lot of social expectations. You are expected to have this like glorious birth that, you know, this, you know, the, the, the Instagram dream. And I mean, I've seen some things on Instagram that make my skin crawl of these so-called ideal births that I think have been staged because birth isn't like that. Birth is gritty and it doesn't always go according to plan. That usually doesn't go exactly according to plan. The second is the pressure to breastfeed, where it's put out there as the gold standard. And we're not talking about nutrition in this conversation, but breastfeeding as a whole, many moms don't manage to actually breastfeed or even choose not to. And that immediately sets them up for a feeling of failure. And mm. then, you know, and then the third one that you mentioned is also just, it is just so, so, you know, th there's expectations around. I'm going to fall in love. It's going to feel beautiful. My blessings are just amazing. You know, just what we spoke about at the beginning. And so when those three things don't happen according to plan, you feel like you haven't hit that golden benchmark and it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. Very and important. Right in the beginning, all those things are right at the beginning. Then set yourself up with failure. I'm not good enough. Your confidence is shattered from the very beginning. Yeah. So just to remember that actually the research shows that very, very few birds are what you expected. They may go according to plan, but it may not be what you expected. Yeah. More whatever it may be. And that, as I say, the myth of natural breastfeeding and of immediate bonding. Yeah. So you know that how important. Yeah. Another thing yeah. it's the biggest message to women. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, alone, up to 40% of women experience serenatal mm. distress. Yeah. Yeah. 
Linda, it's incredible. I mean, everything you've spoken about has been so incredibly helpful. I know that moms are going to be clamoring to find out how they get hold of you, particularly for these groups, which just sound incredibly impactful. Moms, I'm going to give Linda's details out again at the end, but for those of you who are wanting to get that right now, you can actually WhatsApp Linda. She takes WhatsApp messages and her number is 27, which is a South African code, and then 082-441-4099. So 2782-441-4099. And that is how you'd probably most likely get hold of Linda. Linda, before we head off there, and I will come back around and, and read that information out again, um, there might be some women who are listening to this, either mums or friends or husbands, who want to know how to help you know, somebody who they really can see that this is playing out for. And how can we help them? I mean, what do we need to look out for? What should those warning signals be that are like, oh, goodness, this is not looking good. And if we see those warning signals, what should we be doing about it? Okay. So the basic question that needs to be asked is, is Meg the person we know her to be? Is she in her normal character, albeit, you know, having the challenges of motherhood? But is she there? Is she seeming as intact as she usually is or as normal as she usually is despite the challenges? So that's a critical question. It's a critical question to ask oneself. Am I the person I know myself So that is one of the signs, you know, that you can look out. Then, of course, the cheerfulness, the, the, the feeling alone, the cleanliness, needing to have someone by your side all the time if that's not who you normally are. Having fears of going out, not wanting to socialize, anger, irritability, and not letting anyone in actually, because no one's going to get it right. Or needing someone completely in because you can't do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm already skimming the surface here, Meg, because mm -hmm. I'm a very town. Mm -hmm. But it is so important just to see how her mood is. How's mm -hmm. And not to be scared to talk to her about it. Now, the very important thing is don't give her what you think she needs. In other words, not come, you should go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. Or you need to get up and get dressed. Or come, let's make supper together. Whatever it may be to get her functional, ask her what she's needing. Yeah. And all with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that, Linda. So ask her a question like, what would make this easier for you? Yeah. Sometimes she doesn't know. Sometimes she won't know. But then you can explore it. Do you need more practical help? Do you need more meals? Do you need me to lie next to you? Do you need me to take care of the baby more? And another one is if you're not there in person, and so many times families are, you know, just not together in the same country anymore, is how can I help you? And if you can say you need it, I need financial help. Financial help. In order to get meals, ready-made meals, in order to get domestic help, a mm. night nurse, or, or a nanny. Mm. Just letting every bit of support possible. Yeah. And then for friends, not to, to let people know so that you can be carried. Mm. You need your bodyguards. 
through teaching. You need your roster of people to take care of you. I had a roster from morning to night when my husband wasn't at home because of work. And they used to come in their shifts to take care of you. Wow. You know? That's incredible. Mm. What an expression of love. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. Linda, this has been a very, very impactful podcast, and I'm sure there are going to be a huge amount of questions. Are there any last words of wisdom that you would love to give to moms who are terrified that they are always going to feel this way and maybe have waited their whole life to have this dream baby and are so disappointed at how she's feeling? What would you be saying to our moms? I am saying to you, you are not alone. You are going to get better if you receive help and you will be your normal self again. You will. In fact, when I was going through it, one of the psychiatrists I went to said to me, I hope you don't get better. And I said, that is unethical. How can you do that? He said, because then I can write you up in a medical journal as being the only one who doesn't get better. Love that. And I said, Tim, start writing. I will be the only one. Wow, because that's how you Which felt. Twice. And every woman that I have seen has come through and not only come through, sometimes come through, often come through better than ever been before. Yeah. It's such a massive um, phase of transition. And what does lie on the other side is super exciting as a, as a mother, you know, for the rest of your life. It's just getting through those muddy patches and, you know. And I want to say that when you come through TNT, two things will happen. First of all, you will be able to face other crises in your life in a way that is so much more resourceful and robust because it's very hard experience not to be well after your child is born. The other thing is that you will embrace motherhood so fully because you know what it's like to. I love that, Linda. What words of hope? Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. Wow, that's really incredible. So I know that we're going to have a lot of mums for whom this has rung very true. Linda, would you like to just give out your um, WhatsApp number again and your email address where people can get hold of you? Sure. So my WhatsApp number is plus two seven eight two four four one four zero nine nine, And my email address is Linda at lindanlewis.co.za. And I just want to add, Meg, if anyone would like a book, then they're welcome to message me and we can sort out how to get it. And Linda's book, just as a reminder, is called When Blessings Don't Count by Linda Lewis. And it is an, a fabulous book. So get hold of Linda. She'll let you know exactly where to get the book. Um, reach out to her if you're wanting to have those sessions. She is international, so I know the podcast has listeners all over the world. So Linda would be able to make time for you regardless of where you are. So Linda, thank you. It's such a massive journey into motherhood and to have people alongside our moms like you is very powerful. So thank you so much for the work that you do. And moms, a message to you as we end off is hang in there. You will get better. And that's, I think, a very key message from Linda and reach out take hold of all the support you can, including somebody like Linda. So Linda, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Meg. And I just want to say a thank you to you for taking care of all these moms 
and you make a huge difference. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Thank you, Linda. Mums, we will be back next week um, at Sense by Meg Fora. Until then, keep well. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.